the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host and former City of Boston modern art sculptor. Uh, not really, but uh, I'm not even going to get into that story. But uh, it's not for kids. You know, there's a, there's a statue that was unveiled that's supposed to honor uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And it's highly <laughs> – it's, uh, it's just modern art and it doesn't do what you think it's supposed to do. And uh, people get the wrong idea of it. Uh, but we want to take some time today, Martin Luther King Jr. birthday, and uh, have some discussion about some of those things. And uh, so we're going to do that if you want to join the conversation. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You can also send me an email at SoCalLive at KKLA.com, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. And I know some of you are working today, and some of you are off today. My kids are off from school today, but I'm here in the studio today, and uh, glad to be with you. And, you know, I like to talk about this. I used to to actually have a leadership tour that I would give to other pastors in Atlanta, Georgia, that included the Martin Luther King Center, and it included uh, Jimmy Carter Presidential Library, which is uh, a couple of miles away, and a few other sites around there, some Civil War sites, and it really brought some interesting conversation. And uh, maybe we can touch on some of that today. Uh, first, I wanted to you just get into uh, today, and uh, this is Alveda King. She is uh, Dr. Martin Luther King's niece, and uh, she had a few things to say to commemorate the 2023 Martin Luther King holiday. Almost 60 years ago, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. stood proudly on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial and gave his famous and inspiring I Have a Dream speech. He understood that for a nation to remain viable, it must be possible to peacefully live with one another, showing respect and caring for one another, united as one human race, from the womb to the tomb and beyond. She uh, would go on to share some things about her perspective. She has uh, her own ministry now called Aveda King Ministries. And uh, she would share some things that she would like us to think about today. Uncle M.L. expressed the classic American view that it mattered not where you came from, what religion you practiced, or the color of your skin, but the content of your character. Admittedly, as a nation, we have not always upheld the promise of equality, Yet America continues to work to exemplify these words and bring them to reality. In every generation, we work to weave these unalienable rights into the beliefs and laws in this nation. Uh, she would go on to share those things. And I'm wondering if people see Dr. Martin Luther King in more of a, a, a controversial sense today. There's interesting arguments that people have about, you know, what would he say about the world today? 
What would he say about the direction of civil rights activists today? What would he say about our politics? What would he say about the issues of the day and white supremacy and things like that? And what did it mean? And, you know, it's obviously hard to say. He died a long time ago. And, uh, you know, people add those things. I have a sense that he would probably irritate both sides in a similar way that he irritated. uh, There's more than two sides, really, but the multiple sides to different things back then. And one of the things that I would focus on personally with this is that he was a great leader, he had the ability to lead people uh, in a way that is so incredibly rare. And he was able to do that really with no, uh, you know, with, without, you know, elected office power, without a lot of the things that sometimes people need to lead, lots of money, lots of other things. And in a way, I think that should be an encouragement to all of us that when there is a right way to do something, when there is something that is right, all of us being imperfect people and Martin Luther King Jr. being an imperfect person, I do think that each of us has the ability to speak out and to help others understand that there is a a better way. Now, on our show, what we do is we point to that way being Jesus Christ. And I fully believe that the more we can focus on the teachings of, of Christ and the more that we not just learn those things, but the more that we actually act like Jesus especially in the way we treat one another. That's the solution here. And I think in a big way, Martin Luther King Jr. believed that as well. And uh, he taught these things uh, in his family. And uh, many of the relatives carried the same, the same message, maybe with some different angles on it. And there's a lot of politics that gets involved with it. But I want to peel through that a, a little bit with you today uh, as we talk about some of the things that are um, – may be useful for us today. And you can call in and give me your thoughts, 888-528-2557. Is this a day that you actually take some time and think about it, or is it just a day off? Um, I think, you know, a lot of our, our holidays, you know, are, are day off. The President's Day holiday coming up is a day off. I'm, you know, I wish they would have kept both a Lincoln and Washington holiday. Instead, they combined them. But by combining them, that's how you, you get a uh, Martin Luther King birthday off. So maybe it's better to have a day off in January and one in February rather than Two in February. Do you remember that? If you're old enough, we used to get two, two days off in February, uh, two Mondays in a row. And taking Monday off, uh, that's a wonderful thing. Uh, But they changed that in uh, the 1980s. President Reagan uh, uh, signed a law making uh, Martin Luther King's birthday a holiday and changing. I think that's when we changed President's Day, right about the same time. The states might have been doing that before. There's a story there. Not what we want to talk about here. All right. But something I I was telling you that I do this uh, leadership tour. I haven't done it now in a few years. And, you know, some of the part about it is that I think you have to be able to to do your best to relate to people and relate to to people in history who have gone through certain things to understand how we even make progress today. Um, There is a time for people speaking out. There's all kinds of issues. We'll talk more tomorrow about some other issues that we need to be speaking out about, but we need to do it in an active way, a powerful way, but in a nonviolent way. And that was one of the reasons that Martin Luther King Jr. was, was the reason we're remembering today is because he encouraged nonviolence ultimately. And you know what, were there some violence at some of the things he led? Yes, but he said it was wrong. And his main message that he kept focusing on was nonviolence. Okay. Well, but Jesus made a whip and he tossed tables in the temple. Yes, he did. But he didn't threaten to kill or kill the money changers. 
Uh, he didn't go to their homes and paint threats on their house. He didn't set fires to people's legitimate businesses outside of the temple. He didn't teach some screwy philosophy or blame the government or tweet out, you know, nasty stuff. He removed idols and corruption from his own house, and he told people to repent. And then he went out and he sacrificed his own life for those same money changers and the Pharisees and the Jews and the Gentiles and the Romans and even the Americans, everybody. You know, so it's really, really important that we, we recognize that. And that's one of the reasons that, that today is a day to step back, particularly after the last few years that we've seen protests get violent. We seem to have a lack of direction and leadership on a lot of these issues that divide us, whether it is race or whether it is the direction of the country, other things. And, you know, we shouldn't believe for a second that nonviolent is somehow weak or that nonviolence is somehow, you know, a cowardly way to go about it. Otherwise, we, we, if we say that, we are rejecting what Jesus had to say about it when he told us to turn the other cheek, when he told us to give up our cloak and our tunic, when he told us to walk the extra mile. See, those are actually very powerful, brave actions. And those are things that are done in such a way that people would see it. So when Martin Luther King said, you know, don't fight back when they bring out the fire hoses, uh, if you fight back and you riot, then no one's going to notice and everyone will ignore it and they'll say both sides are bad. But if you take one and you turn the other cheek, the world is going to be forced to respond. That's what he taught. And there's a lot of detail to how he taught it and things like that, but it worked for him. Anyway, so you're listening, by the way, to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. If you want to join the conversation, the number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. In Atlanta, Georgia, by the Jimmy Carter Library, I think I've told you, I like to go to presidential libraries. We've got two in Southern California, Nixon and Reagan, and uh, I've been to several of them. We keep having presidents, and they eventually throw up new libraries. The library is like a it, – it has two functions, okay? One function is a museum of that president's life and uh, their presidency. And often the presidents are actually buried there. Their tomb is there. And sometimes the house that they were born in, the house that President Nixon was literally born in, is down in uh, Yorba Linda right there at the library. And so it's interesting, those kinds of things. And I like that. I like history. And presidents is a great way to mark time, right? Who was president during these times? And it's a great way for history. But the other thing that happens at libraries is it's run by the National Archives. And that is where the documents from that presidency are actually supposed to be stored, okay? Not in your residence or your garage next to your Corvette and not down in Mar-a-Lago with whatever you got. That's, that's where they're supposed to go, ultimately, Okay, and uh, that way that people can go in and if they want to study your presidency, they can. And and uh, there's a way for that. Anyway, I was going to Atlanta every year for a con- conference, a pastor's conference, and I would bring a bunch of pastors with me or connect with pastors and uh, try to do a little Atlanta tour. And the purpose of this was to teach you know leadership. There's a certain reason for leadership for, I think, for all of us. So whatever your role is, uh, whether you are a stay-at-home mom or you run a company and you're the CEO somewhere or you're the pastor or you're a teacher or you're a student, there's leadership. Okay, We've said it before. Leadership, uh, John Maxwell's statement, leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. We all influence people. And I think God has called each of us to have that kind of influence for the sake of Christ in whatever social world he's put us into. Does that make sense? Your relational world. Who are those people? That's where you make disciples, and that's where you connect. So, and a big part of this tour was we went through the Jimmy Carter Presidential Library. We also went through the Martin Luther King uh, Center, which is just a couple miles away as the crow flies. 
I don't know why it's a crow. Does anybody know? Why do we say as the crow flies? It's uh, maybe it just flies straighter than uh, somebody else. Anyway, some other birds, you know, you or maybe you just don't want to say as the pigeon flies because nobody likes pigeon. Anyway, they're not far away. And the the question that I would ask people on this tour is who is the better leader ultimately? And as I as I say this, it's not to be critical of uh, President Carter. It's not what I'm here to do. And, and, I, and, you know, if you go to the Carter Center, when you get through the presidential area, you go through the, the um, uh, Carter's organization where he is dealing with clean water around the world, and it's great. And it's one of the, the Carter Center is one of the most effective organizations in solving problems of poverty and disease in countries around the world. And his leadership as a former president with respect to poverty, is an example, I think, to all former presidents, frankly. But his presidency was not exactly stellar. And you know that when you go to the library. You know, it's often referred to his presidency as the unfinished presidency. Well, everybody's got an unfinished presidency. But he went in with a whole lot of ideas, and not much of it actually got accomplished during those four years. Uh, and the Carter Library demonstrates this pretty good, um, if, if you go through it. Anyway, here's the point I'm telling you this. There is not, and there will never be, a Jimmy Carter holiday. Whatever you think of him. You might think he's the greatest president we ever had. Fine, but there's not going to be a Jimmy Carter birthday holiday. Uh, today is Martin Luther King's birthday, who was never president. And that's why I think it's remarkable to compare those two, because their their museums are so close together. It's something you can do personally. When, whenever I, I took people to the King Center, one of the things that is notable and Martin Luther King Jr. pointed this out a lot, is that his life occurred 100 years after the Civil War. If you take some time, and I think you should, to listen to some of his speeches, listen to the I Have a Dream speech, but listen to the whole thing, not just the parts that are easily quotable, that are so inspiring, that all come kind of at the end. You know, he lays out uh, a lot of different things in that speech and a lot of his other speeches. And he points out the hypocrisy of our country and the the struggle that black people have had in our country for so long. And he even points out how crazy it is, really, when you think about it, that 100 years later, you have to have a civil rights movement. This is one of the things that he says in that speech. But 100 years later, the Negro still is not free. 100 years later. The life of the Negro is still sadly crippled by the manacles of segregation and the chains of discrimination. One hundred years later, the Negro lives on a lonely island of poverty in the midst of a vast ocean of material prosperity. One hundred years later... And he goes on to to talk about that. And when you look at our our history, that is a profound number. So on my tour, I would actually take people to a cemetery in in, uh, Atlanta. It's called the Oakland Cemetery. Do you ever do you go through cemeteries like, you know, to uh, to visit the Oakland Cemetery is one of those where they hand you a map and there's famous people who are buried there. And there's some pretty wild looking tombs and things like that. We've got some of that here in California. You can go to the Hollywood Forever Cemetery and uh, check out movie stars graves and uh, the various cemeteries around Los Angeles. There's a map of who's buried where and and different things. It's something that's not for everybody. 
But I would take a group in there because we would we'd go through the map and certain people. But then one of the things that's in that cemetery is one of the largest Confederate soldier burial grounds uh, in the country. And you know what? It's a strange thing to sit there pondering the massive loss of life in that war and asking people to think about this. And so many thoughts go through your head. So I simply would ask the group, is it worth it? You know, was it worth it? Uh, The great destruction and pain and suffering, and it seemed like, you know, when you look back at it today, it seems like such a waste. And it's rooted in the economics of human depravity, slavery, and the way people were treated. The love of money is the root of this evil. And you can have a pretty good conversation about the evils of slavery and the root of other evils that led to the Civil War and all of that. Well, 100 years later, many of those evils still presided, you know, over the law even, leading to the civil rights movement and the necessity of a leader like Dr. Martin Luther King. And, you know, some of those, it's, the thing is, is that the lessons learned are terribly slow. We still have some to learn. Some is better. Uh, And it becomes an interesting comparison then, I think, to compare Jimmy Carter, a U.S. president, and Martin Luther King. Uh, who was a citizen leader. And I would point out that if you go through Martin Luther King's speeches and you're feeling like he's anti-American, he's not. He is not anti-American at all. Listen to this as part of the dream speech. I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood because I have a dream my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin but by the content of their character I have a dream today when you when you hear him and he speaks on these things, you have to remember he will be at times very very critical of our country, of our government, of policies. Of course, back then you have the Jim Crow laws and things like that. That he's speaking out out, and also you got to realize in his life there are people alive during his life who were slaveholders. Okay, and there were people alive, maybe even at that speech, who were children of slaveholders or grandchildren for sure that this was so much closer in history to the Civil War than where we are now. Um, history is a weird thing when you think about it this way because we're not really that old of a country. It seems like these things are so far forever ago, right? Uh, it feels like they are. But, you know, somebody pointed this out about President Biden. President Biden, he is actually – his birth is closer to the inauguration of Abraham Lincoln than it is to his own inauguration. Think about that. That's pretty remarkable. Uh, now, he's the oldest president we ever had, so you can say things like that. When, when Reagan was president, people used to point out that it's possible that somebody could have personally known Thomas Jefferson and Ronald Reagan in the same lifetime. 
That's how young our country really is. Uh, and Biden's not that far away from that. You'd have to find, you know, an older president, but not by much. Um, so he's dealing in a, in a culture that's still wrestling with these things. But I want you to know, as as harsh as some of the things that he would say, if you really study him about our country, he always called us back to our founding documents. He never said, this country is horrible, we should get rid of it. He liked to say, be true, our country needs to be true to what we said on paper, that all men are created equal, that we have inalienable rights given to us by our creator. That's a big piece of his teaching. And see, what that I think does for us today is the harder stuff when he calls us out for our racism and the continual plight of black people in America uh, at his time and even today, that when you have a place to, to point people, an ideal to point people toward, in this case, our founding goals, it's much easier to call them to repent. Does that make sense? And one of the things that is a crisis today, whenever we talk about racial reconciliation or lots of other issues, is that we are so, we have become in that conversation opposed to our own institutions. We just want to tear everything down and there is nothing being presented to build it up. And that's one of the reasons that we are so leaderless and hurting today. That's one of the things I think that we can get from today and get when we look at the leadership of Martin Luther King Jr., that he didn't throw the country under the bus, the ideals of the country, the institutions. He said we're not living up to what our our founders said we should be. I got to take a break. We'll talk about this when we come back. 888-528-2557. If you want to join the conversation, 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live. Scott Furrow, your host. We'll be right back. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Text Scott right now in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. But that is something that I must say to my people who stand on the warm threshold which leads into the palace of justice in the process of gaining our rightful place we must not be guilty of wrongful deeds let us not seek to satisfy our thirst for freedom by drinking from the cup of bitterness and hatred We must fail to conduct our struggle on the high plane of dignity and discipline. We must not allow our creative protests to degenerate into physical violence. Again and again, we must rise to the majestic heights of meeting physical force with soul force. The marvelous new militancy which has engulfed the Negro community must not lead us to a distrust of all white people. For many of our white brothers, as evidenced by their presence here today, have come to realize that that destiny is That is part of Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech, and I'm encouraging people to listen to the whole speech because we have the, you know, the famous parts of the speech and that are you know, etched in stone in so many places, and they're great. It's super inspiring, but that was the the direction that he was headed. You know, he he didn't mince words in that speech or others about 
where we have been as a country and what we need to do and how we need to do things together. And I think that it's I think it's still inspiring today, especially what we've been through, you know, the last several years and the questions that people are having about how do we move forward in a way that is productive, uh, in a way that works, that doesn't drive us apart. Uh, this is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. It is Martin Luther King Jr. birthday holiday observed, as they like to say. And uh, so we're talking about that. I'm talking about a uh, leadership comparison tour that I used to give in Atlanta between uh, President Carter and, and Martin Luther King Jr. because their, their, their museums are just a couple of miles apart. So it was an easy thing to do. Plus, you get to see some Civil War sites and things in uh, Atlanta. And uh, I've had a couple of people reach out to me about the, uh, the something I shared, that President Biden's in- birth is closer to the inauguration of Abraham Lincoln than it is his own inauguration. Uh, that's true for the second inauguration of of uh, Abraham Lincoln. Uh, Not the first, it's two years off on the first. But the 1965 inauguration of Lincoln for his second term is closer to President Biden's birth than President Biden's inauguration in 2021. And that is how young our country is in so many ways. Uh, When we we think about leadership, one of the reasons that I would compare in person at these uh, museums, the Library of Jimmy Carter and uh, President uh, or and uh, Martin Luther King Jr. It's not really even about Jimmy Carter so much because I would do it at any presidential library. It's just because that's the one that happens to be there. And the other question that I would ask is, look at what somebody was able to do with, in a sense, all the resources in the world as president, President Carter. Um, and if you go through that library, you see some successes and some failures. It's uh, It used to be not a very good library because they sort of ignored some of the struggles that President Carter had. Um, but it's uh, gotten much better. They redid it. And they redid it, uh, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago now. But it is a lot better. And it acknowledges a lot of the struggles. If you're around then, the you know, the Olympic boycott and the hostage crisis and the failed hostage attempt, the, the economy and the inflation and the stagflation and so many different things. It actually acknowledges those. And they, you know, I give credit for... Uh, and he's still alive. You know, sometimes uh, presidential libraries fix themselves after the person passes away. Uh, President Carter approved all of that, and it's pretty good. And so you but you see a lot of struggle with, with the leadership and the things he wanted to do. Um, and then you go to the Martin Luther King Center, and it's it's not as fancy. You know, it doesn't have um, the same kind of funding. I think they have updated it since I've been there the last time. Uh, it was pretty run down, frankly, the last time I went there. But you leave you leave there quiet because of how things ended and because of the things that are put on your mind. But you also leave there rather inspired. And so what I would do with my trip, which is mostly pastors or some other uh, church leaders, is that we have a conversation just comparing the two the two leaders. And I think the thing that marks people that people really get the most in all of that is that Martin Luther King Jr. was a leader of people and he had no money and no political support. Uh, No political, uh, what I mean by that is he didn't have political office. He was actually asked to run for office several times and he refused. And I think that's great that he refused because I think that he, he needed both sides to pay attention. And if you run for office, eh, suddenly you've got one side on your side, the other side's not on your It becomes something else. All right. 
uh, it becomes something completely different. And I'm really glad. I think if he would have run for office, we wouldn't be talking about him today. I think he would have been uh, a voice for that period of time, but I don't know that he would have accomplished more. But basically, you have a president who was on the world stage and virtually unlimited funds while he was the president anyway. And then the other is a Baptist preacher with no legal office and no money. You can go through the old Ebenezer Baptist Church and you go down and, uh, you know, one of the things that I experienced in there was families, particularly black families who are in there with their kids. And what they've got is his sermons playing over the loudspeakers. There's two levels. There's the sanctuary level, you know, the church level. And then underneath uh, in the basement is the fellowship room. And they've got sermons playing down there, too. And these families are are making kids listen to these sermons. The sermons are about nonviolence. The sermons are uh, some of his best stuff. And it's very moving, very, very moving stuff. 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. David in Culver City, welcome to Southern California Live. Uh, Scott. Yes, sir. I'm glad to hear you devoting so much time to Martin Luther King today. I admire you for that. Well, thank you. Uh but, you know, I read something today which shocked me in the New York Times. And I think it also kind of shows how far we still have to go. Do you know that there are two states in the Union, Mississippi and Alabama, that don't have Martin Luther King Day? It's King Lee Day. Yeah, I read that uh, myself today. That, to me, is outrageous. I mean, Mississippi is a state with 40% blacks who live in incredible poverty, and there's just been a scandal that a lot of money that was devoted from pop was uh, uh, taken from poverty programs to build sports stadiums at universities. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we have a long way to go, and that outraged me today. It really did. Yeah, it's kind of surprising, I think, David. Uh, thank you for your call on that. And, and uh, you know... I didn't grow up in the South, and uh, there's things like that that I just don't understand. To, to me, somebody grew up in Southern California, uh, the Confederacy lost, and I don't under, I've never understood the flag and the, the Confederate flag, I mean, and some of those kinds of things. Most of those, though, David, are being taken down now, and I, I didn't know that till today also about the, the fact that the holiday is shared between Martin Luther King and uh, Robert E. Lee. Um, I do think we're moving we're moving past that, but I think that... You know, uh, things hold on for a long time, and the idea that our country is somehow younger than uh, we think it is sometimes, that's the reason, is that while Martin Luther King Jr. was giving his speeches, there were people there who were children of slaveholders. That's how young the country was, and uh, people who heard that. Um, and I think that we need some leadership to to have us really take a look at ourselves and not just blame sides, which I think is what gets in the way so often today. It's because it's become just a partisan thing, and uh, I don't really like that. The leadership is really where I'm getting at with the the story of uh, Carter and uh, Martin Luther King. And when when you compare the two, and and the inspiration that I want to give you, like for for those two states, for example. You know, there's there's local things going on. But I would say that I'll bet that most people in those states would have no problem uh, changing that just the way that most people in most states have had no problem. uh, If you do it the right way, you know, removing some of the Civil War things, I don't think most people agree with just going and tearing it down. But, you know, most people like, you know, it's 2023. Let's move forward together. I think most people agree with that today. Martin Luther King Jr., um, 
approached issues with a nonviolent philosophy. He spoke very clearly about the issues of the day, the things that really mattered. And this is something I want us to grab, because I think that if he had been elected to some public office at some point, he would not be celebrated today with a holiday or a monument or a museum. He would have been another congressperson or a senator or something else, but he would have been seen as very partisan, and he would likely be buried in Oakland Cemetery with you know, a fancy tombstone, and there'd be, he'd be another spot on that map, and we wouldn't have today off. Uh, there's much more progress to, to go in the area of civil rights, and that matters a lot. But what I think is something that we can be inspired to today, too, with the many different things, not just civil rights, but other things going on in our country today, where we need leadership. If you're thinking, we can't do it because we don't have any money, we can't do it because we don't have political power, or we can't do it because, you know, you're, you're missing something. That's one of the points that I make in the tour of Carter's Library and, and Martin Luther King's Center, is that Martin Luther King accomplished amazing things with nothing, and Jimmy Carter did not accomplish most of what he wanted to accomplish with all the power and money in the world. See, I think it's something that's just very, very, um, that we get deceived about, that our voice somehow, if we do it right, is not going to carry the day. That if we are afraid to speak out against some of the immoralities of the day, or if we are afraid to speak out about philosophies of the day that are causing so much ruin, you know, it's going to be hard. It was hard for him. He got attacked by all sides. He still gets attacked by all sides. Today, people would argue about, you know, what party he would be in. I had a conversation earlier this week about, would he be a Republican today? Would he be a Democrat today? Would he, would he be something else because he'd be mad at both? I don't know. We don't really know. Um, but I think he would stick to principles. And this is how you get some things done. Don't acquiesce to evil. Stay with your principles and speak out. I think there are things that we can do there. When we come back, I'll uh, share a little bit more and take your calls. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live. Scott Furrow, your host. I'll be back as the Monday edition continues. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. On this day, set aside to honor Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., I am calling all Americans to recommit themselves to fulfilling the dream my uncle fought for so many years ago. A core value taught to me as a young girl by my father, Reverend A.D. King, my grandfather, Reverend Martin Luther King Sr., and my uncle M.L., is that Americans should always be serving God and each other. May this MLK Day be a reminder to constantly be seeking how we can help our fellow brothers and sisters as we all seek to see the dream realized in America. May God truly bless America. That was Alveda King, Martin Luther King Jr.'s niece, and uh, her message from her ministry this week, inviting us to spend some time actually remembering him and what he called us to do. And, you know, as a nation in particular, and one of the things she says there is that we've got to remember God in it. And if I could just say, you know, for believers, I really believe that to accomplish what needs to be accomplished in the long run— with issues of race and all kinds of things. It's it's Jesus that's going to do that, and it's going to be us coming together in the name of Christ. 
I think that has been one of the most fascinating things that we've seen in the last few weeks. Uh, for example, with uh, football, we've talked about it before, and everybody from every race and age group kneeling down, praying uh, for uh, DeMar Hamlin and the injury that happened to him and what we've seen nationally with that. See, it's an interesting thing when we as a nation, for a moment, realize that we need help and that we need help from the Lord and that we suddenly remember that we need to kneel to him. This is how we resolve these things. And we live in a time of philosophies that I think take the other direction. I mentioned that uh, people argue today about what Martin Luther King Jr. might have thought about different things. You know, I think there are things that he would have agreed with and not agreed with with certain movements today. I think that he would have um, he would have been very much opposed, in my opinion, to the notion that merit doesn't matter, that we should lower standards for kids who are having trouble graduating. Because education, long term, everybody knows in every culture is the way you deal with poverty. It's the way you can get closer to equality and things like that. And I think we've become a nation that is, we're lower, by lowering the standards, what we're about is graduation, but not education. Education is what you learn. Education is what you know. You can get an education and not go to school, frankly, and be a very productive person if you have learned. And you can graduate from some school and get yourself a degree, even in a prestigious university, and not know anything. We're dealing with that in a whole lot of uh, parts of our culture today, where people, I think this is the first time in American history where families are considering maybe not sending their kids to college, or maybe it's not that important. Uh, It is important if they're getting an education, but if they're just getting an indoctrination into something, uh, then they're going to have to spend their 20s undoing what they uh, learned because it won't work in the workplace. It won't keep you in a job. Uh, It won't help you uh, make ends meet. I think he'd be opposed to philosophies like that. You know, I think, uh, and I think he would call the church to get together. He once said that Sunday morning is the most segregated hour of the week. I think it is one of the tragedies of our nation, one of the shameful tragedies, that 11 o'clock on Sunday morning is one of the most segregated hours, if not the most segregated hours in Christian America. Uh, I definitely think the Christian church should be integrated and any church that uh, stands against integration and that has a segregated body is standing against the spirit and the teachings of Jesus Christ and it fails to be a true witness Uh, but this is something that the church will have to do itself I don't think church integration will come through uh, legal processes I might say that my church is not a segregating church it's segregated but not segregating it would welcome white members it's a it's a amazing statement, but it's it's kind of hard. But there are some things that we need to do. I went to a church uh, in the deep south one time, and it was about a thousand people. And I mean, coming from Southern California, you just have a different. If you've only been in Southern California, I think you you see things that maybe other people, if you're living in any culture, you know, you're you you don't notice the way things are. And in this culture, and I asked somebody about it, the church I went to was about a thousand people. And uh, 100% of them were white people. Across the street, literally across the street, there was another church of about the same number of people. And everybody in that church was black, 100% of them. And in the white church parking lot was a Popeye's chicken. And in the black church parking lot was a a church's chicken. And there were only white people in the Popeye's and only black people in the churches. I thought that was weird. (laughs) Just coming from here, I just... I've never seen that here in Southern California. I mean, you might have a church here that's all black or all white, but you, you know, I think that we would have a better attitude about that. 
What do you think about this? This is a whole other conversation, but there is something that I think that only can happen through Christ, realizing that we're brothers and sisters in the same family, like literally brothers and sisters, that when we go and we have the wedding feast of the Lamb, you're going to be sitting with people of every race and every background from every nation is going to be there. Um, And I think that's amazing. That's wonderful. And having that now, whenever you have that experience now, and I realize people have different cultures and sometimes there's different languages. There's a whole different church culture um, in some different churches, and it's it's hard to, to mix those things sometimes. But I think we can do a whole lot. I asked my friend at this church I went to, I said, do you guys do anything with that church over there? They said, no. I said, you even play softball against each other or something? There's got to be something that you do. And uh, they don't. I just, that's just really not a good thing, not a representation of the kingdom of God. Uh, as we as we have been talking about the the leadership of Martin Luther King, I think these are areas where the church is called to leadership. And if you think about him today, you know, there's so much political rancor and there's so much difficulty. Spend some time thinking about the leadership that you might be called to do. Maybe it's an, an issue of race. Maybe it's something else going on that has to do with our kids, that has to do with with ultimate uh, truth and realize that you don't have to be somebody with a lot of money or political power to lead. And maybe God's just calling you to lead the people in your life, but he might be calling you to do something bigger. And don't think that you can't. One of my favorite Martin Luther King Jr. speeches is uh, his I've Been to the Mountaintop speech is what it's called. The context is really important. It's another great speech. You should listen to the whole thing. Because once again, he calls out America's sins, but he also calls America to its founding documents. That He's not anti-American. He's not against the country. He's not against the Constitution. He's not against the flag. He's not against all of he's He's for what all of those things stand for. And basically, he says, be true to what we said on paper. Be true to our documents. Be true to our ideals. You got to have an ideal to shoot for. And if you take that down, that's kind of where everything goes into the woke area. This wokeness tears down institutions without building anything in their place that makes any sense. That's why it doesn't work. That's why it always just uh, falls apart and causes chaos, And because it's just not anything that's based in reality. Our ultimate sense of who we are, our ultimate place of direction, is that we point people to Jesus Christ. This is where we get along. At the end of his speech... Uh, it's a, a fascinating thing. He said it on April 3rd, 1968. Well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it really doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop. I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live A long life, longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over. And I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you. But I want you to know the night that we as a people will get to the promised land. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. 
Crazy thing about that speech is he said those words on April 3rd, and he was assassinated on April 4th, the very next day. You know, that is a profound uh, just piece of history there. But what I want you to hear from that is do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to speak what is true. Do not be afraid to turn the other cheek and do what Jesus said. It's not cowardice. It's not, it's not even pacifism. It's actually very, very active. Do not be afraid to trust Jesus with your life. Do not be afraid to speak the gospel when you have that moment, to give a reason for the hope that you have. Do not be afraid to point people to Jesus Christ. Do not be afraid to confess your failings at that and to celebrate the good news that we have a Savior who died for, for you and who died for your neighbor, who died for each and every human being on earth. Do not be afraid. I think that one of the reasons that we are losing a lot of the conversation, that we have lost our direction in so many ways, is fear. We need to step out and not be afraid, even though we might get attacked, even though violence might come our way. We need to not be afraid. There's so much more to talk about that, and we're out of time for today. Uh, I want to thank you for listening, and you can always uh, get the podcast of this episode. Just go to our radio station website, check out the podcast, or look for Southern California Live on Spotify, and you can subscribe to the podcast there and get more. And um, I hope that you have a good day. I hope that you find some good things to teach your kids. I hope that you have um, hope, not just in America and the things that we can accomplish, but in Jesus Christ. Your hope is in a Savior who died for you, who's made everybody who believes your brother and sister. Live that way and spread the gospel as you go. All right, we're done for today. Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. I will see you tomorrow from 3 to 5. God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.